question right before the downfall. So, so to test this sharpness, I want to ask you a few questions. Are you ready? All right. What are more mink skins used for than anything else? No, it's, it's to hold minks together. Okay, I, I thought that was a pretty easy one, but let me try another one. This one's a lot easier. You ready? Okay. How do you, how do you divide 17 apples among 16 people? You make applesauce. Right? You get that? Okay. <laughs> All right. If you're having a hard time with these uh, questions, would it help to know that these are riddles from the Riddler in the 1960s Batman series? So, now that you got the right frame of mind, let me ask you one more from the show. You ready? What weighs six ounces, sits in a tree, and is very dangerous? Well, as Rob and the Boy Wonder would tell you, that's easy. It's a sparrow with a machine gun. <laughs> one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> you see, whenever Chief o O'Hare and Commissioner Gordon would receive one of these riddles, if you recall, they couldn't answer them on their own. They, had, they would always have to call Batman and Robin to get the answer for them. And as goofy as this series was, I believe it teaches us a very valuable lesson. One of Satan's most defined tactics is to give us questions to stump us and get us off track. No matter who you are, at some time in your life, Satan will attempt and will continue to attempt to get you to believe lies about yourself. Have you ever been there? I know I have. You may begin to feel unsure about your appearance, which can lead to lies that cause you to question who God created you to be. If you think of one of the attacks that's going on in the world right now, it's the, it's the questioning of our own identity. Satan will continue to ask you questions to question who God created you to be. From the very beginning, Satan has been in the business of making us question our identity. It's not something new. It started a long time ago. We see one example of this when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. I'm going to take a look at Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? I'm going to tell you it's the same reason why he leads us into difficult situations. It's to give us the opportunity to begin wielding the strongest weapon that we have, his word. It is in the wilderness where our excuses are eliminated. It's in the wilderness where our choices are narrowed. It's in the wilderness where we face the enemy. We have three choices. Will we fight? Will we flee? Or will we freeze? You see, Jesus' earthly ministry began in the wilderness because he came to set an example for us. Too often we look at the trials in our life as bad things that are happening to us instead of realizing that these are trials that God is preparing us for greater things. I know it's, it's great with us being here, but my, mine and my wife Nancy's last year, in fact, she's homesick right now. We appreciate your prayers for her. But our last year was just a tumultuous, very, very difficult. But we knew that God was preparing us for something greater. 
You see, we can't be used by God until we've all gone through our own wilderness and have relied on God every step of the way. In like manner, Jesus shows us how not to just survive the wilderness, but to be revived in the wilderness, to strengthen our resolve, and to understand our purpose. Luke 4, verse 2. Now Jesus, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. If there's one thing that we can say about Satan is he is consistent. Like clockwork, he always attacks us when we're tired and hungry and emotionally depleted and overstressed. It was no different when he attacked Jesus with a barrage of temptations in the wilderness after he had been fasting for 40 days. Verse 3, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now obviously Satan is tempting Jesus. And I know many of us have studied this passage before, but do you understand the point of Satan's temptation here? Yes, we know Satan is tempting Jesus to feed his physical hunger by turning a rock into food. And we know that Jesus eventually responds by stating the power and purpose of the Word to be our sustenance like food. But there's a more direct attack at play here, and it's an attack on our culture and our society and who we are even today. Do you see it? Satan says, if you are the Son of God. That makes it clear that Satan's first attack was aimed at Jesus' identity. Satan was trying to get Jesus to question who he was at the very core. And even today, Satan is still using the very same tactics on us. Whether he lies to us personally, whether he uses others to attack us, telling us that we will never be good enough, we need to be aware of his schemes. I bet you're all too familiar with some of these famous lines. You are worthless. You have sinned too many times to be used by God. You have no real talent. You don't have enough willpower to make any lasting changes. You are a failure. You've already had your chance and you've blown it. Your ship has passed. It's too late. How about it? Do any of those sound familiar to you? Guess what? They're all lies. Every single one of them. They're not specific to any single person. You know why? Because Satan has used every single one of those on me. The only way that Satan has any power is when we start to consider his lies. Think about in the garden when he came to Eve. If she would have just repeated the same script that God gave, there wouldn't have been a problem. Same with Adam. If he would have repeated that same script, there wouldn't have been a problem. But it's one that consider the lies where we start to get off track. If he can get us doubting who we are in Christ, then he has essentially stripped us of the power and the authority that we have over him as God's children. Satan wants nothing more than for us to lose our identity of who we are in Christ. Because if we lose our identity, we wander like sheep without a shepherd. And it is in the, this time of wandering that Satan picks off wounded sheep one by one. The good news is that we can defeat Satan's lies by following Jesus' example in the wilderness. Luke 4, verse 4, But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. 
In responding this way, Jesus not only defeats temptation about food, but also proves He is the Son of God by letting God's Word do the fighting. When we are tempted by the enemy, the way that we prove that we are from the family of God and have authority in Christ is by letting our Father fight our battles for us through the eternal and living and powerful Word of God. Psalm 119.89. This is our memory verse for this week. I would encourage you to plant this in your heart. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. It's done. It's finished. It's complete. The victory is secure. It is written, as Jesus said, carries the same power as it is finished. The very words Jesus declared as He breathed His last on the cross. When He said these words, it meant the debt is paid in full. The victory is secured. When the enemy comes at you, you say forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. Done deal. We have authority in the name of Christ to stomp on the enemy. But many times he tries to convince you that what we have is a lot less. It's like if we were going into a battle and I knew I had the sword of God, the sword of the Spirit to go into battle. What Satan tries to convince you is all you have is a little plastic knife in your back pocket. If you go into a fight, you're not going to pull out that little plastic knife or that little spork to do battle. And so many times we don't go to God in prayer because we think all I have is prayer. And God says, no, all you have is prayer because it's all you need. I'm giving you the sword of the Spirit. Satan tries to get to consider the lies. The truth is we have authority in Jesus Christ because of His Word is settled in heaven. Amen? God has given us authority. When we use the Word of God as it is written, we are proclaiming that the victory is secured. His Word is indeed established and settled. We don't have to argue or justify. We stand on His Word. And if you don't feel it, then keep standing on it. When the enemy attacks us, we need to resist the temptation of fighting back either in our own strength or our own logic and thoughts. When we fight with God's words, we defeat both the temptation to react and the attacks to question ourselves at the same time. I know you do this because it happens to all of us. Many times we shame ourselves. We think, I should be stronger. I should be able to handle this, this, this temptation. I shouldn't have done that. Whenever you hear yourself saying, I should, that's shame. And shame causes us to get further away from God. That's why we can't consider what we think we can do. But when we stand on His Word, we have the authority to drive out the enemy. God has given us all the same enemy-defeating weapon that Jesus used to overcome Satan's scheme. We have His Word. Therefore, we need to stand on it and use it immediately and decisively in battle. But the devil fights us on more than one front. He not only attacks our identity, but also our authority as he tried with Jesus. Luke 4, verse 5. It says, Then the devil, taking Jesus up high on a mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. What does the devil attempt to show you? or to falsely promise you before He tempts you to sin? Will He tell you that you will be more liked by others if you do this? He always attempts to show us something else that's not true. Does He say that one little look 
or one hit or one action won't hurt you? Does he say, if you are a child of God, he will forgive you? So just go ahead and sin anyways. You see, when we start to consider these false promises, we invite sin into our hearts. Jesus never entertained these thoughts or false promises and went right to work standing on the Word of God to drive those thoughts far from Him. We must learn from Jesus. And we're going to fall. We all mess up, but that's why there's grace. Grace says, you do what you can and stand on my Word, and when you fall, and I know you're going to, I'm going to give you grace and pick you back up again. That's why God's grace is amazing. Luke 4, verse 6. And the devil said to Jesus, All this authority I give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give to whomever I wish. Do you see the temptation here? It's to get us to believe that the devil has more authority than Jesus. And consequently, more authority than us for that matter. That is a lie. As children of God, we have authority over the enemy if we stand on his word. And when someone's struggling, we come next to them, alongside of them, we lock arms with them, and we believe with them and for them. That's what the body of Christ was called to do. It's called a body because we cling together. You see, if we start to question our authority as children of God, we are susceptible to the temptation to lust after the things of this world. Doubting our authority and our place in Christ, we naturally start to run after power, after greed, after covetousness. Once Satan attempts to set the hook by attempting to have Jesus start to question his own authority, he quickly tries to reel him in. Luke 4, verse 7. Satan continues and he says, Therefore, if you will worship me, all this will be yours. However, the hook is never set with Jesus because Jesus prevents the questioning process. Once again, rather than using logic or wisdom, Jesus lets his Father fight for him. That's what he calls all of us to do. By declaring that it's already written, it's already established, it's already settled, and therefore it's established in the Word. Luke 4, verse 8, we see Jesus. It says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Your identity can most easily be defined by who or what you worship, by who or what you spend your time with, by who or what you are seeking to get affirmation from. Whenever you are tempted to question either your identity or your authority, the quickest and best way to resolve any doubt in your mind is to just simply begin worshiping God. When you worship God and stick your hands up in surrender, open your heart in surrender, you're saying, God, I cannot figure it out. I can't fight this battle on my own. I know because I've tried, and so I'm simply going to worship you. Now understand, worship is not just singing. That's one form of worship. One form, another form of worship is just spending time with God and believing Him and calling on His name and standing on His Word. Our choice to immediately worship God shows that we trust Him to answer us and stand against the enemy. This passage also shows that the devil is relentless, and so we too must be relentless to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Therefore, we need to understand some important things about the enemy's tactics. We need to know more than just what he's trying to tempt us with, but also how he's trying to tempt us. 
In other words, the main point of many of his temptations, listen to this, the main point is to get us to self-question. The sin comes later, but that only happens if we start to self-question, to question ourselves. Because he knows that if we start questioning ourselves, we've taken out the middleman. And we've already begun our downfall. One of the beautiful truths of Jesus is that He is our middleman, so to speak. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 states that there is one God and one mediator between God and men. It is the man, Christ Jesus. You see, we don't have to pray to a statue. We don't have to pray to another man. We don't have to pray to a saint. We go directly to Jesus Christ. That's what happened. When Jesus died on the cross, do you remember what happened in the temple? In front of the Holy Holies? It ripped. And you know how it ripped? From the top down. God was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm removing that. You can come directly to me. That's why we take that time to empty our sins and confess the sins so that we can boldly go to the throne and go to Jesus as our mediator. Jesus mediates between us and God. The way we take advantage of this is by asking Jesus to take these questions to God to answer for us. So when Satan tempts you with questions like, do you really think you have a chance to defeat this stronghold in your life? You've been dealing with, a, with this addiction for a long time and you keep feeling, do you really think you have a chance? Don't respond to the enemy. Give it to Jesus for a special delivery. When the answer returns from God, it will be a power-packed punch to, your, to the enemy. Because God doesn't just speak for you, He speaks through you with the eternal Word. That's why there's been such a big emphasis on getting the words in us so that when we need it, God will bring the Word out of us and speak to the enemy. The way we gain the upper hand is by handing over every thought to Christ to allow His Word to swallow up every question of doubt. In fact, this is what the Word tells us on that very topic. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5 tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means that it's not by human means. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. How many know it's a battle in the mind all the time? The temptations that we face. We have to bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. How are we going to know unless we're in the Word and we know what to bring it up against? It's a battle, and that's why we're inviting you and encouraging you to get the Word in you and to keep it in you and so that you could give it for yourself and also for others as well. You see, the strongest undercurrent of the enemy's temptation is more than just him tempting you to do something. It is him tempting you to form a new answer to one of the questions by answering it yourself. During every difficult trial we face, we can expect to be hit by an onslaught of questions about our identity, about our authority, and about our circumstances. And the truth is that there are many times that we don't know why our circumstances are the way they are. I don't know why. I don't know why, God, you've led me, it seems, into this wilderness experience. I don't know why it seems I'm in these trials and tribulations. So in this case, let me ask you, is it okay to ask why? Well, the simple answer is it depends. It depends on to whom you are asking why. If you are asking yourself why, you're setting yourself up for failure. 
and inviting frustration and blame and confusion. We need to take ourselves out of the equation. I want you to take a look right now at a really important time when Jesus himself asked why. It was when he was hanging on the cross moments before his death. Do you remember this in Matthew 27:46? It says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus asked why, but he asked why to God. Now what this does is it just takes the temptation that hits us on the inside and it uncovers it. So it's exposed to the light where God can answer it for us. All Jesus did here was to expose the tempting thought that Satan tried to attack him with. Can you see this? Jesus is hanging on the cross. His disciples have left him. His people have given him up to be arrested and crucified. And now no one comes to his rescue. At the lowest of lows for Jesus, Satan begins to whisper in his ear, If you are the Son of God, where is your Father now? If you are the Son of God, why has He forsaken you? Choosing to let God the Father fight back for him, Jesus is not so much asking why as he is exposing that tempting thought so that God can answer it for him. When Jesus exposed it out in the open God, to God, he was infused with strength, determination, and resolve to finish the task. When you are tempted with that thought, just share it to God. God can handle your emotions. He can handle your anger. He can handle your confusion. He can handle your shame. He can handle your frustration. We just give it to God, and God answers for us. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trusting God means that you don't need to understand everything. Trusting Him means that He will... You trust that He will take care of you if you just keep leaning on Him. What is trust? Well, I can tell you being a hunter in the northern Michigan woods, I've had to set up a few tree stands in the, in the trees. Anybody done that before? And you climb a tree with a really heavy tree stand, and if you use all your strength holding on to the tree and, hold, and, and, the, and the stand at the same time, you have no strength left to put up the tree stand. But if you use something called a lineman's rope, and you learn to lean back and just let the rope support you, then you don't use up all your strength and you can use the strength to put up the tree stand. But it takes trust to be 20, 30 feet up on a tree and to lean back on that rope. That takes trust. There's another story of a woman that was flying in an airplane and going through some really rough... Uh, turb uh, what's it called? Turbulence. turbulence, thank you. Going through some really rough turbulence. And she started to grab the, the, the handles of her seat and white-knuckling it and, and, and was very afraid. And she looked next to her and there was a little kid just playing, playing marbles. She said, what, what are you doing? And, he, and she said, he, he said, ma'am, my daddy's the pilot. I, I feel safe because my daddy's the pilot. How many know that when our daddy, our father, our Abba father is the pilot, then we shouldn't worry about the things that attack us? That takes trust, though. I don't want us to shame ourselves, but it takes trust to know that God is sovereign. No matter what's going on down here, He still sits on the throne. 
He is still seeing things. And even though we don't understand, His Word says to trust in Him and lean not on our own understanding. We're not always going to understand it. And sometimes things have to get more difficult because that's when we cry out to God and stand on Him. And as we do that, He answers for us. And He infuses us with strength. And He gives us power to continue to stand. As we grow and mature in our walk with Christ, one thing that we continually need to discern is not only what Satan is tempting us to do, but what he is tempting us to answer. And as we become more aware of these questions, there's one thing that we must all do to improve our response. We must make it a priority to put his word in our heart and to keep it in our hearts. We must make that a priority to read his word, to memorize it. You don't got to memorize the long ones, do whatever God calls you to, but to find something that you can stand in. And if you have a hard time memorizing them, then fill out three by five cards and put them everywhere. Put them on your refrigerator, put them on your bathroom mirror, put it next to your bed, put it on your steering wheel. Make sure you read it before you drive. Then put it away while you're driving. But take the time to get God's Word into you and you'd be amazed that when you need His Word the most, His Word will come forth from you. Like streams of living water. This is the only way that we can respond by God's power and not ours. Last verse, Psalm 119, verse 11. It says, Your Word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. King David spoke this. See, his, his word, when we come to know God, we don't just automatically get the whole word downloaded into us. We have to spend time on our knees and praying and seeking God and reading His word so that when we need it the most, we can let our Father fight our battle for Him, for us, because His word is settled in heaven. As a shepherd boy, David was used to defending his sheep by always being ready for an attack and relying on the Spirit of the Lord to work through him to defeat anything that came against him. The way that we rely on the Spirit of the Lord is to put the Word of God in our hearts. Then allow the Spirit to bring to mind specific words that we need to defeat Satan's tactics. The more word we learn and study and memorize, the greater our arsenal is and the more dangerous we are in the hands of God to bring down the enemy when he attacks. I believe that in these days, God is calling all of us to arm ourselves with the word. For it is the only weapon that can defeat the strongholds that are coming. So I ask you, will you make excuses and say that you're too busy and say it's too hard? Or will you do whatever it takes to hide His Word in your heart? Listen, a sparrow with a machine gun might be a dangerous sight in a tree. But a child of God, armed with the uncompromised and all-powerful living Word of God, is a force that not even the devil can defeat. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the gift to our hearts that cleanses us and heals us, but also empowers us to go out into this world. We know it's a difficult world. And we know the enemy will continue to lie to us and try to get us to question who we are. I, God, I pray that all of us would know without, with complete certainty, God, who we are in Christ. That we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. That we are the head and not the tail. That, we, that all things are possible through Christ who loves us. 
and gives us strength. Help us to stand on your word. Help us to that when we are defeated and, and, and feel defeated, that we only need to worship you. For you are a great and mighty God. We thank you for this family here. We thank you for the calling that you put on each of our lives. We seek to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.